I'd like for you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 5. What we've done today is to celebrate the accomplishment of our Savior. Can you imagine, many of you may not be able to, the benefit and the blessing that we're able to participate in that today is just unimaginable. The fact that we who are created by God and who have rebelled against God can share in eternal life and forgiveness simply because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so today I want to point to something, an opportunity to share in the same kind of ministry that a man in Luke 5 did. Luke five twenty seven. And after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi. That fellow there, Levi, his name's also Matthew. Sitting at the receipt of custom, he's a tax collector. And he said unto him, Jesus said unto him, follow me. And he left all, rose up and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his own house. And there was a great company of publicans and others that sat down with him. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answered and said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I want to call you this morning to a Matthew ministry. An opportunity as we look at this text of Scripture to learn from this man's example. I think it's one of the easiest things in the world to do. But unfortunately, we're not really doing it all so well. And so I want to share with you just a couple things. I want to end with two applications to this message. So I'm going to tell you what they are. So you'll know when you get to the end, some of the things that I think in my heart that I want to do and I pray that God may call you to do. Number one is to repent. We need to repent because of our sin of silence. We need to repent today because many of us who just were moved many even to tears recognizing the price that was paid for us to have eternal life as we bowed our heads and as we considered and contemplated there about Jesus our Lord the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the one who was spotless and sinless and perfect went to the cross for us died for us even though he didn't need us He just wanted to display His mercy. He just wanted to display His grace and His love. And this is the way that He did it through Christ. And yet we go day in and day out. And 
we don't tell people about him. So that's the first thing, that we would repent. And the second thing is that we will open up our hearts and open up our homes and open up our lives so that other people can know the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That's number two. So let's go back now and think about Matthew for a moment. A call to a Matthew ministry. First of all, I want you to notice Matthew the sinner. Matthew the sinner. We started reading in verse 27. and It says that Jesus, after these things, he went forth as Jesus. And he saw this tax collector, Matthew, sitting at this, this tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. But if you notice down there in verse 30... The scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they didn't look at Matthew, uh, they didn't like Matthew too, too well. Matthew would be a great traitor to the Jewish people because he wasn't collecting taxes from Jewish people for Jewish people. He was collecting taxes from his countrymen and countrywomen for the Gentile Romans. They were not well liked. <laughs> Just like many of you, when you start to think about the the taxes you have to pay in this country, and you, I, I can see you, just you just want to say, not another tax increase. Well, if we had an enemy occupying our country and taking taxes from us, we wouldn't like it all the more. And if we had people that were American citizens, natives, who were collecting and had sold out, so to speak, in order to collect taxes for the enemy who was occupying our territory, we probably wouldn't like them too well for doing that. And that's Matthew. He's the guy that nobody likes. And they said, why do you eat with these tax collectors and sinners? <laughs> I love it. So the first thing we see is the sinner. He's despised because of this fact. He collected money from his own countrymen for the Romans. He was an outcast of Jewish society. He would not be welcomed at any religious events. He would not be welcomed at any Jewish social Events, he would be an outcast. He would be ostracized. He would be rejected. And he would be excluded. Well, the second thing I want you to notice about Matthew the sinner is not only is he despised, but he's also loved. <laughs> he's loved because Jesus sees him sitting there and he doesn't look at him the same way that everybody else does. He looks at this man who was despised and rejected. And I think in a way he said, he's kind of like me. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter 53 that he, the, the suffering Messiah, is despised and rejected of men. He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. If anybody knew what it was like to be excluded and to be ostracized and cast out and criticized, it was Jesus. And Jesus doesn't look at people the way we look at people. He looked at this man and he said... I want you in my family. And what's so amazing about that? Matthew doesn't know this yet. But because he loves him, he says, I want you, Matthew, 
in my family, he's going to go to the cross and die to make that happen. He's loved. He's loved by Jesus. Because this is how Jesus is. He loves those who are despised and rejected. He loves the outcast. Matthew's Jewish countrymen would exclude him, but Jesus would include him when he said, Follow me. Follow me. Not only is he despised, the sinner, but he's loved and he's called. He's called. If you look there, he says, Follow me. And this would not be out of the ordinary for a Jewish rabbi to walk up to someone maybe he'd known, talked to him before, knew a little bit about him maybe. We don't know how much he knew. I think he knew something about Jesus. I think he knew this miracle worker was going about doing awesome things. I think he had heard him teach before. I don't know that for sure, but I think he did. And it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for a rabbi to come and say, Hey, follow me. Be my disciple. Be my follower and learn from me. And these guys would follow him. Everywhere he went, they would be there, learning from him. All day, in everyday situations and life circumstances, the master teacher would teach his disciples about life, about God. But Jesus is no ordinary rabbi. (laughs) When Jesus said, follow me, he was giving this man an invitation To eternal life. He was giving this man an invitation. To come and to learn. From the teacher of teachers. God had come in the flesh. And he was giving him an invitation. He was called. And so Jesus. God the son. Has come into the world that he created. In order to. To save sinners. Now that's the first part. Matthew the sinner. Let's think about Matthew the disciple. Matthew the disciple. Let's look just a little bit at what he did. It's amazing. Sometimes you can say a lot in the words you can say. And sometimes you can say a lot in the words you don't say. That's what this text does. (laughs) Because Matthew the disciple. Notice that he left everything. It says in verse 28. And he left all. He doesn't close the books. He doesn't get the money bag. (laughs) I mean, the picture that we're giving here, given here is a man, maybe sitting or standing behind a table like I am. Jesus comes up, follow me. And he gets up and he starts to walk behind Jesus and follow him. He leaves everything behind. He doesn't close the books. He doesn't pick up the money. He just gets up and leaves it all. He leaves his career and he follows Jesus. One of the greatest mysteries, one of the greatest misconceptions of the American church today is we misunderstand the call of Christ. Jesus Christ did not just call you to get your ticket to heaven. He called you to a radical abandonment of yourself and of your life as you know it to take up your cross daily and follow him, to follow him. To walk where he walks, to say what he says, to do what he does. And Jesus went to the cross and died. And my friend, if you're going to be a disciple of Christ, you're going to have to accept that kind of call, that kind of cost, that kind of radical abandonment to life as you know it. Your career, your family, anything else becomes secondary to Jesus. He left everything. Secondly, he used what he had. He used what he had. Notice what he did. 
It says in verse 29 that Levi made him a great feast in his own house. So he used his house. He used his food. He invited his friends, his neighbors, his co-workers, and he used his testimony. His house, his food, his neighbors and friends, people that he knew, people he had relationships with already. And maybe some people he didn't know. I don't know. Maybe he said, hey, you come on in. There's room. And he invited him to his house. He invited Jesus to his house. So he left everything and he used what he had. We have this great problem in the American church. We try, I have this problem. We try to overcomplicate everything. Do we not? Especially, I, I guess, it, mostly if you're more like me. I, I do that. I, I'm somewhat of a little bit, little bit of a perfectionist. So that's not a good thing. I'm not bragging about that. That's not a good thing. But people that do that overcomplicate the situation. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Use what you have. Use your home. Use the resources that God has given you. You're not responsible to use resources you do not have. You're not responsible to use gifts and talents you do not have. But you are responsible to use what you do have. To point people to Jesus Christ. He used what he had. He used his house. He used his food. He, his friends and neighbors, his co-workers and his testimony. He invited them over because he wanted them to know Jesus. And that's the next point. He introduced people to Jesus. And so what we do is we see the progression of this text. Moving from, from Matthew the sinner to Jesus the Savior. Because if you'll notice in verse 30. All of his friends are there and this is joyous occasion. And I wonder sometimes what they might have thought about Matthew. You know, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> He's different. Why did he leave his table? Why did he leave the book sitting there? Why didn't he take the money? What's he leaving a good career for? Because he knew that there was a greater treasure in Jesus. Do you know that? You know that today. There's greater treasure in Jesus than anything else in this world. If you know that today, I want to call you to be a Matthew to that kind of ministry, like the woman at the well. Come and see a man that told me everything. Could this not be the Christ? Matthew says, hey, come over tonight. I want you to meet somebody. I want you to meet somebody. And so it goes from Matthew the sinner to Matthew the disciple to Jesus the Savior. But the scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with the publicans and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I just want you to see that everything that we've been talking about so far is leading up to this moment. Because the most important part of this text is the reality that Jesus Christ revealed his mission in the world. All these people were sitting around and they're thinking, this is a miracle worker. He's a great teacher. I like this guy. There's something about him. The way he talks with authority, some said. Nobody can do things if you go back up right above that, right above our story. And they were all amazed, verse 26, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, we have seen strange things today. Jesus is doing some awesome things today. But Jesus says, I want you to understand something. I'm here for sinners. <laughs> what are you here for? This church exists... For the people that are not in here. 
Jesus said, I'm here at Matthew's house for sinners. And the Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. If Matthew, listen, if Matthew had not heard that call, he was going to go to hell. If he hadn't heard Jesus say, follow me, Matthew, he was on his way to hell. Let me tell you something. You know all the people in our, in our county? Let's just stay in the county. 32,000? They're not in here. And if they don't know Jesus, they're going to hell. And that's a fact. Because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus said, I came to save sinners. Those people that are spiritually sick, that's who I came for. Matthew the outcast, the turncoat, the traitor. Jesus said, I want him and my family. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to die for him. I'm going to pay for his sins so that he can come into my family. And let me tell you today, there's more people Jesus wants to save other than us. But they're not going to come to us. We have to go to them. That's the reason that Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now sit in your pew. Whoa. That doesn't sound right, does it? Matthew 28. Let's start over. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go. Go and make disciples of all nations. You feel that? Did you take one of these? That's you. If you share in the benefits of the cross, you share in the responsibilities of the mission of the cross. Now let me first say this. Two ways you can participate. Number one, you can repent today for the first time in your life. Jesus called for repentance in this text. He always calls for repentance. And we're going to talk about evangelism. We're going to be trained to do evangelism the next couple Sunday nights. Jesus didn't say, raise your hand, bow your head, close your eyes. You don't have to do this. You want to go to heaven? Jesus didn't say that. The disciples didn't say that. The apostles didn't say that. They came to the apostles, Acts chapter 2. Peter stands up and preaches. The Bible says they were cut to the heart, and they came to, to Peter and the apostles, and they said, Men and brethren, listen to me. I can see them. they got tears in their eyes. <laughs> I'm a sinner. I'm on my way to hell. Men and brethren, what must we do? And what did they say? They said, repent. Jesus here in this text, he said, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to what? 
to repent. Not to fill out a card, walk an aisle, be baptized. He wants you to be baptized. But the prerequisite to be baptized is that you would repent. And the word repentance means to have a change of mind. To have such a change of mind. What do you change your mind about? You change your mind about yourself. <laughs> I'm a pretty good person. To, I'm a wretched sinner. I'm on my way to hell. And I need a Savior. And so you change your mind not only about yourself, but you change your mind about Jesus. He's a miracle worker. He's a good teacher. He's a good man. No, He's God the Son. No, He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And He's the one who went to the cross and paid for your sins on the cross. You change your mind about Jesus and you change your mind about everything else in life. Because if you understand your sinful condition before God and you understand who Jesus Christ is, I can assure you today, as sure as I'm standing here, that you're going to change your mind about everything else. You're going to see with new eyes. You're going to hear with new ears. You're going to think with new thoughts because God has opened you to the reality of Jesus Christ. That's the first way you can repent. The second way you can repent is to change your mind about what you're doing, church. Change your mind about what you're doing with your life. Because you can sit here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and I know what you're experiencing. Because if you're not like Matthew, opening up your heart and your home to people so that they can come to know Jesus Christ, if you're not pointing people to Jesus, if you're not discipling people for Jesus, then I can tell you what you're doing. You're living a substandard Christian life and you're not experiencing the joy of your Lord at all. So we can change our minds today. And we can realize that taking up my cross and taking up your cross may look different in your life than it does in my life. But it's still a cross that you must bear. And it's a cross that's easy to bear because God gives you the strength to bear it. It's a cross that's easy to bear because you gain more joy, you gain more peace, you gain more pleasure by bearing the cross than you do if you don't. You want to feel joy in your life? Listen, if you're not feeling it, if you don't have it, tell somebody about Jesus and it's going to start to come. You start living your life to be a ray of light that points people to Jesus Christ and you're going to find the joy of the Lord. And you're not going to need to find it in other things. You're not going to need to buy that house. You're not going to need that promotion. You're not going to need that girl or that boy or that new iPad or that whatever. You're not going to need it. Because you're going to be satisfied with God. So, I was going to explain this to you, but look on the back of this little piece of paper. On the back of this, it gives a real quick kind of overview of the five steps to being a Matthew. It's going to take part in great emphasis, November 2013, so you have time to pray. Tonight, I'm going to begin a training on this. So I love to see you all back here tonight saying, yep, that's me. That's me. I want the joy. Listen, the reason that, the, that so many Christians are not happy 
is because we're not obedient. (laughs) The reason we squabble about things in the church is because we're not doing anything outside of the church. Who cares what color the carpet looks like if people are coming to Jesus, right? Real quick, go through this. 1 Peter 3.15 Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks for the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. What is my hope? That's what it is. I'm going to go on. Go on through that. Go on through that. We'll come back to that tonight. Five steps. Number one, look around. How many of you know somebody that doesn't know Jesus? That's what this is about. On here, you've got ten spaces to put people's names down. Let me ask you a question. You want to talk about conviction? You want to be convicted? <laughs> and I hope you're not, but I got a feeling we're going to be. How many, how many of you have a list like this with people's names that you pray for every day that are lost in sin? They're going to hell. And see, so we got to wake up. The person that you know, I don't know them. Your neighbors, your friends, your co-workers, those you go to school with, I don't go to school with them. I don't work where you work. I don't live in your neighborhood. I don't have your family. You know them. You pray for them every day? You got them on a list? So that's step one. Step two, look up and pray. (laughs) Because we can't do anything without God. Don't get the idea that evangelism is something, well, I'll just learn this, man, I'll go out and win everybody to Jesus. Well, you might if God's working. So we need to pray everything bathed in prayer. Step two, three. Look out for opportunities to build relationships with these people. Just come back tonight on that one because I could talk. Step four, look forward to the event. This is what we're going to be doing. We're going to train on how to do this. It's not hard. Every believer, you took the communion, you can do this. Okay? You can do this. Prepare for the outreach. That's what we're going to be doing on Sunday nights. Invite every person on your list. Watch the My Hope program together. Share your story. Ask the guests if they would like the kind of hope that you have. I'm just going to stop right there. Is that the last one? No. Look after. That's follow-up. Let me ask you right now. Let me ask you. Do you want that hope? Do you want it? The hope that's in Jesus. Then you need to repent. And you need to believe on Jesus Christ. And you need to surrender to him as the Lord of your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. (laughs) Thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving a wretch like me. I didn't deserve it, but you wanted me in your family and you sought me and you bought me and not only me but you've done that for countless thousands of people and father we want more to come and we know more will come and the thing that we want today as we end our time together is we want to be a part of what you're doing in princeton and around the world. And you came to save sinners. And we want to be a part of that. Help us to be a part of that. Change us, O oh Lord. Give us a heart of repentance right now for our sin of silence. 
Put a new fire in our bones, oh God, to share the hope that we have. And Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't have that hope yet, I pray that right now you would grant them, by your amazing grace, repentance, a change of mind, and faith to trust in the finished work of the cross. Nothing in our hands we bring, simply to the cross we cling. Help them to come today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing a song of invitation. You may need to respond today. If you do, I pray that you will before it's everlasting too late. Let's stand and sing.